Hello and welcome to the Revive Podcast. I'm Carrie, Pastor of Connection and Discipleship here at Neighborhood Church. Thanks for joining us once again. Psalm 138 verse 7 reflects, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. And God does rescue and sustain us. So each week we curate and create resources to help people thrive in Christ. That's all available at neighborhoodchurch.com slash revive. Today, I'm excited to be here with a couple of great guys again talking about God's word. We've got Pastor Justin from our Los Al branch. Hey, how are you? Good to see you, Justin. And also Pastor Mike back again. Hello. Good to see you or hear you or be with you. Yeah, that's right. Here we are. And I'm really excited to welcome our pastor of student ministries, John Wyatt, to the podcast. John, thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you, man. We're, we're going to be diving into Psalm 93 this time. And so I'd encourage you, for you listeners out there, if you can pause the podcast at this point, go ahead and check out Psalm 93, pull it up on your phone, open your Bible. It's quite short. It's good to just read on through it before we dive in. You can kind of know where we're launching off from. So go ahead, pause, read Psalm 93, and then you can press play and dive right back in with us. Um, if you've done that, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 93 talking about God reigning. There's words about thrones and might and um, all sorts of poetic imagery here. So um, I wanted to ask you first, Justin, uh, to talk about um, there's some of this poetic literary repetition that you mentioned, I thought that could be helpful to help us understand how this psalm fits together. Yeah, I mean, this this psalm is is pretty straightforward. I don't know how much it unlocks meaning um, in this psalm so much as really uh, almost uh, beats us over the head with it um, in the sense of it's just very blunt and abrupt. And so, um, you know, we see, you know, as we're talking about God reigning it right of the way, uh, right away, it talks about the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. And there's almost oftentimes you'll see in the imagery and, and the, the repetition that it'll be restated in a different way. So it would say the Lord is robed in majesty. The Lord is adorned or something like that, but this one's not, it's just robed, robed um, a little later, um, which I, which I found pretty fascinating in my study was the, uh, the part where it speaks of the floods. And it says in verse three, the floods have lifted up the, Oh Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. And it's just this repetitive, uh, pounding of the floods, which is a lot like the, the waves crashing on the seashore. And it really almost that repetition brings you the image of the sea kind of crashing and, and then reminds us that God's sovereign. And, and if you think of a lot of the ancient Near East creation stories, they would have um, these two gods fighting and that ended up creating the world and the chaos of the sea was beaten back. Um, and yet people continued to live in fear of the sea. And here it's just saying that there's just one God. He laid the foundations. He has no rivals is really what the emphasis I made, um, yesterday. And so, uh, but that repetition is, uh, is really bringing out the, the struggle. And then ultimately it's not a struggle for God. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's a, it's, it's an interesting twist on poetry where it seems a little less poetic than some parts, but it kind of makes its its point by being pretty pretty blunt and really clear. Yeah, I like what you shared with that, Justin, because I, I didn't notice that it says floods, floods, floods all in a row. And as I checked back, it looks in verse four. It says 
mightier, mightier. Lord is mighty. Mm-hmm. And so floods, yeah. floods, floods, but God is mighty, mighty, mighty. And right. that's pretty awesome. It's a good thing uh, to mention. I, John, you talked a little bit about poetic repetition in Hebrew literature too. Do you want to speak to that too? Yeah, I think we have to remember too, the educational system back in the day wasn't reading and writing, right? They came to church and it was a kind of call and response. It was follow me. And so a way for Hebrews even the children of Israel to memorize these things is as the priest or the worship leader, or even the King himself, King David, as he is inviting people to worship the Lord. I think this very flood, flood, floods, this mightier, mightier, this robe, this clothing language, I think it's helping the children of Israel meditate on the point versus rushing ahead. Like, oh yeah, da, da, da. So I think this is very common uh, language to help stir the people up in worship and he's also looking around and he's playing off of the idea of the mediterranean sea the the um not the dead sea the sea of galilee you know he, he's seeing these things and so i think part of that repetition was to sink it down in their souls to help them to be able to recall it later because they're not good so he's not saying open up to psalm 93 yet you know like he's unraveling right. his role and he's doing things like that so i think that's a helpful thing for us where it kind of feels repetitive especially because we're looking at the actual written word but for right. them, it would have been like a chorus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that those <clears throat> repetitive um, uh, reminders are also to build emotion. It's to tie, not just to say a bunch of words, but Hebrew thought is very much down in the gut. It's a, it's a very emotional reality where it ties in the intellect and the emotions that brings it together to say that he is you know, clothed in majesty, but clothed, strapped strength around him. As you can see the, the, the almost the crescendoing or the, the building of these things. He is mightier, mightier, mightier. Uh, and, and all of those things, that, and each one adds to the next. And, and Hebrew poetry does that constantly to draw in our emotions to, because we're, we're both, uh, uh, you know, intellectual and emotional beings. And I know Greek thought tends to be more cerebral and and that, but yet Hebrew thought, you know, when you felt something, you felt something in your gut and in the middle, in the middle of your soul. And I, one of the fun things um, I had in the privilege of going to the Holy Land and, and just listening to Hebrews talking, it was like they were yelling at each other and stuff like that. And I was asking my guide about that. He goes, oh, no, you just have to understand a lot of Middle Eastern reality is that, you know, you, your emotions are so tied to your intellect, you know we tend to separate them, but yet they're so tied and so connected. And that's really cool. You know, one of the other things about this re- repetitive part, I think the important thing is the, the idea of declaring uh, these Psalms uh, are written to, to actually be as, as John, you were talking about, you know, just to be spoken because it was an outward expression uh, to declare. And, and these, you know, it, it's that, that emphatic authoritative speaking out. I think that's important for us, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up and it's an opportunity for us to express, to declare our love for those that we love. And um, we do that. We write a card and we tell them how much we love them. We put it in words and, and they're poetic and, and we try to do our best to say that, you know, it would be how sad a relationship would be if we just said once, I love you. Mm. And then that's it. Mm. And it, I think there's a lot to declaring it. It not only affirms, it, it, it strengthens the relationship. It, it makes it more real. Yeah. Actions are part of that and need to support what we say and, what we, and back it up. But, but it is important to declare. And in this Psalm, the Lord reigns. It's a, it's a emphatic 
authoritative statement for my life. The Lord reigns in my life. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's good. And, and to quote uh, a famous poet, uh, what, was his, uh, what was his name? Um, oh, yeah, DC Talk. For our three <laughs> listeners who may remember them, they have a song called Say the Words I Love You. There's something powerful about saying things out loud that really can help us remember them help us uh, internalize them and help others connect with those truths too. And so we, yeah, we are seeing a lot of that good stuff here in the Psalms, in Hebrew poetry. I, you know, we've, we talked about the might, the floods, the Lord reigning. There's a lot of power language in this passage, in this Psalm. And uh, I got to be honest, I was pulling up the old picture box and jumping on the interwebs and binging through WandaVision the, uh, this weekend and just tripping out. <laughs> and I, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, gosh, there's just been such a resurgence of superhero entertainment happening uh, in the last uh, decade or so, because we, as a culture, I think we're just so excited and interested with power. These characters all have powers, but at the same time, some of them use their power for good and some use their power for not so good. And, you know, that's even a, a main theme in a lot of these sagas that come out of the entertainment industry is how will they use their power? So I think as we look at God's power here, we see how he's more powerful than even the ocean. He reigns, he's on his throne, but how can we trust that God's power is something we can feel good about? You know, if, is he, is he super powerful, but he's this, scary dictator or he's going to twist on us um john i i know that uh i've consulted you for a number of comic book questions and things in the past so maybe <laughs> this could be a good question for you what do you well, think yeah i mean as you're talking i'm thinking you know any superhero you know who has extreme power not extreme power just has more power than your average human always has a weakness always has some form of kryptonite always has their character depending on because they're not they may be called god's little g but they're not perfect and you know i think of superman who can he can he can hear for miles but he has to choose who do i say first so that's actually a tremendous burden but i think of the lord here who is perfect in all his ways verse five says your decrees are trustworthy so why while god has this incredible raw power he always perfectly applies it um more than any superhero ever could, more than me as a human ever could, because I could do outward things that look good. Um, I could do these things, but it, I could always have the motivation of that. I'm not even aware, like, oh, actually that looks righteous, but I did it out of selfishness, but the Lord himself character, and we can always trust that God knows exactly what to do at the right time. Um, so he doesn't have the weaknesses that we as humans have, or even superheroes have which is why we can build our life on him. And the cool thing about the floods, the floods can beat up on him, but he's not going anywhere. They're not going to move God. The earth is established. And that's the kind of God, that's the being I want to get behind. That's the, that's the one I want to build my life in because if he's not moving, then I can let the waves crash and still be on a sure foundation. Um, yeah. And I like with the, uh, you know, with this, the first four verses really lay, you know, lay it out that God is powerful, you know, mm -hmm. and that he really puts the smack down on, um, you know, the oceans and the waves. Um, and, and when I was preaching on this, I, I said, you know, that this could be 
mentioned of you you could be a a lot of dictators and stop at verse four you know there's there's plenty of space for cruelty up through verse four not that there is but there's space for it and that's why verse five is so critical is that it really rounds out the picture that not only is god powerful but he's good and that he gives us the decrees by which our world runs the rails on which it runs you know um and also guide for us to live um in a righteous and holy way in, in holiness befits his house is what it says. And so um, there's, it's, it's a, a holiness that's, that's in correspondence with his um, as we, you know, take on his character. So, so the assumption is that he's good as well. Um, and that we as his temple and, and uh, his people that, that we reflect that also. So I, uh, I, yeah, verse five, power is the big thing here, but that really serves as a counterbalance just so we understand that it's, it's good and, and righteous power. Um, and like you said, John, that's, you know, what we can get behind. So. Absolutely. You know, his, his holiness is the, is the, is what encompasses all of this is that we can trust in him implicitly. There's nothing that, that we can, we, we, he is the, the ultimate of all of this and his, you know, so his words are entirely trustworthy. His, his guidance is 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 the best way out there. His precepts, his his uh, um, testimonies, all the things that are listed of what God's word is, are are absolutely one hundred percent verifiable, true, and truth to follow. And 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 it's because of his character, as John was talking about, his holiness. John, did you want to jump in on that again? Oh, I was just thinking. You know, we're, there's a lot of he's robed. He's so he's. The, cool, the great thing about Yahweh is it's not a costume. It's not just something he's draping on the outside. It's God's, it's his character. It's who he is on the outside. You know, if you think about the Incredible Hulk, pure, raw power, but you're not, you have to be careful how you talk to the Hulk and make sure he doesn't explode on you, right? You have the Falcon or you have Captain America. They have really cool costumes, but they all, you know, but they, that's on the outside. The great thing is that what befits God's um, house is who he is the inner sanctuary the in, like who god is in the middle of him and the, his whole being is kingly royal trustworthy um and yeah so i was just thinking there's a lot of drapery image right. but you know batman puts it over himself god it's who he is and he doesn't have to cover up or anything and it's revealing it's pulled know. out it's it's the reality exactly. of it and and, that's and, he, the and he invite and he and he's not a scary hulk he says hey I'm going to reveal my plan, my words to you. Come live with me. It's like, yeah. whoa, or come follow after me. That's, yeah. that's an incredible invitation. There's, there's that element of fearing the Lord, but it's not a Hulk fear. It's more of a, whoa, let's go with this God and see what he can do. And he invites me to go with him. Ooh. Yeah. Absolutely. And Stay actually, this... tuned to, for another uh, uh, secret later episode where we'll talk all about comics and how they relate to theology. <laughs> yeah, we, we lit John's fuse with this one. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the great thing about this, this, this set of Psalms, actually Psalm 93 is in a set of Psalms. Uh, Psalm 93, you skip not Psalm 94. We'll talk about that when we get back to this into the series later on. But, but from, from Psalm 95 all the way to Psalm 99, these are considered royal Psalms. There are these psalms that declare the royal reign of god and why and why it's important and man it's just all full of that actually psalm 99 really focuses in on his holiness a couple of times holy is he you know he's just he's all as holy is he and he is one that we can trust in and 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 place our trust in and again it's not something that's put on it's something of 
the essence of who he is. You cannot separate God from his holiness. He is holy. Yeah, and I think we mentioned this, probably mentioned this before, but I think the placement and the, the collection of these psalms at this point in the Psalter is, is important because you've got in book three, a lot of those psalms are laments where there's reflections upon um, Israel being ransacked and exiled and, and, you know, they're grieving. And so these are really songs of hope and a reminder that God is still reigning um, and that God still has a future for his people. So I, I think we've said that before, but I think it bears repeating of particularly as we find ourselves in um, challenging times, you know, where, where we're, we're all feeling emotions. They might all be different, <laughs> you know, from fear to anger, depending where you are and how you're wrestling with all the things we're dealing with in our world today. But these are critical reminders for us as well that, that, you know, he is King and, uh, and he's, he is in control. So. Yeah. yeah. And just to be for clarification, uh, Justin, you're not talking about salting, putting salt on your food, right? No, so no. You say salter. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay yeah my doctor no. said i should avoid salt so i just yes, want to be yeah, aware, yeah, no. Aware, no uh, not at all salt <laughs> that's another word for the psalms okay book the of collection psalms. of psalms yes there we go <laughs> yeah and when he's talking about book one two three four the, the the psalms are organized in five different books that that the uh, authors when they put them together helped us organize that and that's helpful for understanding some of the content of that we've gone over that if you look at uh, earlier podcast, it'll explain some of that. Mm, yeah, good word. Go check back. You can subscribe here and look back at all of our previous episodes. Lots of good conversations there too. John, were you going to jump in there too? I just say I think you know this. This you know, God. It's like He reigns, but then it it brings up this idea of floods. And for the Hebrew people, flood the seas were the scariest. That was the most chaotic. That was like their deepest fear. And so I think it's very interesting that we're talking about God reigning in our deepest fear. God reigning in our, uh, the scariest situations, Justin had said, you know, when life right now is, we don't know who to trust, who to listen to. God says, you can listen to me, even in your deepest fears, when you're feeling overwhelmed, because I'm not, um, uh, no matter how things may appear, you know, I, I'm going to be, and we see this in Jesus's life and ministry. We see him calming the storms physically uh, on the store with his disciples, but we also see him calming <clears throat> the belief or raising the belief of people who say, I believe, but help my unbelief. If it's possible, Jesus, can you hear me? Jesus says, all things are possible. So God is Yahweh in the old Testament is saying, Hey, I'm going to step into your deepest fears. So I don't know what floods we are experiencing right now in our heart or our life, but God is mightier than all of them. And so he says, even in the midst of this, keep your eye on me, keep meditating day and night with me, keep spending time with me and following my ways, trust in me. And I will get you through that. And I think that's very timely with everything that's going on in 2021, just in February. You know, we made it through January, praise the Lord. So Yeah, and that, that is the, the, a good application point of this psalm is to, you know, how do we let the Lord reign even in the midst of a storm? And John, you pulled up that, that story out of, uh, I think it's Mark 4, where Jesus, and, and found in a couple other gospels too, where Jesus calms the storm. And he does that. And then I, th I think of uh, Matthew uh, chapter six, when uh, Jesus was sending out the disciples and he said, you know, go and, and take care of things. And they were, they started to freak out, you know, how are we going to do this? Or what are we going to do for food? How is, you know, all this going to work out? And, 
and and uh, they come back and, and Jesus says, hey, here's here's the answer. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, declare his reign. Seek first the kingdom of God. Declare his reign in our life and his righteousness, his holiness, his his character, his his way of life. And, and all the things of life fall into place and even our own fears john just like what you're saying there's there's it could be a credible peace that surpasses understanding when we look at the the powerful reign of god and 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 see his work in the world and how he is mightier than the crashing waves he is greater than any fear or our enemy that would be out there he is greater and that we can trust in him and let that calm our soul and move us forward to where he wants us to be. And it's, it's that trusting in him, choosing first his kingdom, choosing to let him reign. And that might be a, a good uh, question. Uh, maybe Justin, you can fly in on there about uh, how do we let the Lord reign in our life? Yeah, I think, um, and obviously that's a, well, not obviously, it, it, but it is an, an important ongoing question and ongoing struggle and that's that's really very much what discipleship is right of of continuing to walk in his ways and um and that takes a lot of discernment of what's going on inside our hearts and i don't remember exactly how he phrased it but john calvin a famous theologian from like five centuries ago so five centuries we still know his name he's he's pretty good um but he talks about our hearts being idol factories that that we just we end up putting other you know, little G gods on the throne of our life instead of, and, and letting them usurp God's place. Um, and uh, I read a book, I don't know, it was a few years ago, but I, it had some, it was called Gods at War by a guy named Kyle Eidelman, which is funny that he's writing a book on idolatry. I think that's, that, that makes me laugh, uh, but outstanding book. Um, and he had some questions that I, that I thought were helpful. I shared it with the Los Al campus, um, but I think it's, it, it's worth repeating because um, he just gives some diagnostic questions to think about. So I'll walk through them really quickly here and maybe we can put them in the show notes to, if you want to follow up, but he has seven questions. He says, what disappoints you? What do you complain about the most? Where do you make your financial sacrifices? What worries you? Where is your sanctuary? What infuriates you? And what are your dreams? And then as you, you answer those, those kind of reveal expectations and motivations and commitments. And then you kind of piece that together and you have a little Venn diagram going on and, and it can help you kind of dial in on maybe these are the things that I'm giving my heart to. These are the things that I'm, that I'm you know, letting take over, whether it's fears or whether it's, um, you know, addictions or whatever it might be. Um, and we're declaring with how we live, even if we don't do it with our lips, that this thing reigns as opposed to the Lord reigning and, you know, asking good questions of ourselves and answering them honestly can help us discern that with the power of the spirit um, and, uh, and get us back on track so that we're not just saying the Lord reigns, but we're declaring that the Lord reigns with, with our words and our deeds. So um, I think that was some, some good insight there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. We'll definitely make sure we put that in the show notes too. Good questions to be thinking about that because, you know, an idol doesn't have to be like a little golden figurine sitting on a shelf in our in our home or in a car or whatever. An idol could be politics. An idol could be a social movement. An idol could be our 
phone or our family um, or our sense of achievement. It could be anything, right? Anything that could take God's place. So those are good questions to be considering as we think of what, what does it look like for God to truly have the control and to be the master, or as Mike, you've said, is the boss of our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts as we close up, you guys? Yeah, I would say, you know, when we find idols in our heart, you know, because I think if we ask those questions, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, they're here. What do I do? Um, you know, I think that's where Psalm 139, um, verse 23, 24, the very end, search my heart, oh God, then yeah. try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. So God is not a God who says, you need to be perfect first. And then you come worship me. He says, hey, in worship, you're going to discover that there are things that I'm not reigning in. So let's, when the Holy Spirit lifts that up in your heart, we confess and we acknowledge, wow, Lord, you're right. And Lord, would you lead me? Would you lead me in the way? And the great thing is that 2000 years later, Jesus comes and says, I'll lead you. I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll show you the way. So I think that's when you find that in you, that's the sanctification piece of like, it's a continual relationship journey, confession, repentance, and and relationship. Let's do this together, not apart from God, but very much with Emmanuel. God is with us. And I love that, John, too, because it's um, God doesn't want to flog us with our sin. It, it's not to shame us or beat us, but it's so that we can walk in the way everlasting. Like it's 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 very much for our good. It doesn't feel like it always because we want that idol. But uh, I mean, we're, I'm watching Lord of the Rings with my kids, man. We, we know all about the precious now, you know, but we want that idol and God is convicting us and, and leading us in, in the way everlasting. Um, and that's the point of, of conviction and, and, and direction um, is to give us life, not to, uh, not to flog us with our sin. Yeah. And I think that one thing also to, to note, because I know sometimes we think, oh, I don't have any idols, you know, we do, but, but we need to be careful uh, that, because that if we say nothing reigns in my life, uh, that's the danger zone because something is already reigning and it chances are it's yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the worst idol of them all because, you know, the heart is desperately wicked and we turn aside uh, quite a bit and you know, it's, it's taking that time to, to actually, you know, live out the words of this psalm and declare the Lord reigns. And, uh, and we need to be cautious of that, that we don't let say nothing reigns, mm-hmm. but let the yeah. Lord reign. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great place for us to close it up, man. It's always a, just a total flyby <laughs> experience getting to chat with you guys. Thank you so much, Mike, Justin, John, for being with us again here on the Revive Podcast. This has been a great conversation. And again, if, you, if you're listening here and you want to join in with any of the resources we've mentioned, any of the further uh, ways to continue teasing these ideas out in your life and applying them, definitely check out the resources we've got online. Thank you for joining us here on the Revive Podcast. And if you did find this episode helpful, share it with a friend. Um, learn more about Psalm 93 and all the topics we've talked about today by checking out neighborhoodchurch.com slash revive. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram or at our Neighborhood Church of Cyprus and Neighborhood Church of Los Alamitos YouTube channels. And keep reviving your soul by subscribing to this Neighborhood Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you have questions about this podcast or Psalm 93 or anything about God, write us at connect at neighborhoodchurch.com. 
Talk.com. We hope to see you next time. And until then, we pray that God revives your soul.